Hello, stackers, and welcome back to one more Creation Corner episode that is focused around country creation. And as we have done through previous episodes, we have looked at the country of Trand in our made-up world of Vardalon. And basically, using the Wikipedia entry for Finland, we have gone through various aspects of that article. And using that as a parallel, we have taken a look at how to basically use the same points to form our own country. And so as we wrap up this, I guess, mini-series, we'll take a look at the last two and combine them into one, because they both kind of deal with the same topic of people, and those are the categories of demographics and culture. Joining me today is Thane. Hi, it's me again. And Thane with his sultry tone. With my ever-so-deep voice. I was off at camp for a week, and I've done more yelling there than I have in the past year. And uh, we're going to take some time to talk about these two categories. Are you ready, Thane? As I'll ever be. All right. So demographics is basically how you break things down into comparable categories so that you can group things together to get a sense of how much of a thing is going on in a certain area. So in the context of a country, we might start by looking at uh, different types of people, uh, culture that is grouped uh, how, how much of a percentage of this type of people lives in this country, that sort of thing. And what's interesting about the Finland article is that it breaks demographics up into five key categories. Those are language, largest cities, religion, health, and education and science. So let's start with language. Well, As we have spoken about trend in the past, we have called them as a group, trandens, but obviously you can further break that down. You know, you talk about the United States. Well, then there's different groups of people within the United States. So well, it's, it's notably broken up by state, but possibly even more. So. Um, you can break them up by race, by background, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. to call the people of Trand as a whole Trandans, and yet in the past we have spoken about barbarian tribes. So we could look at I don't know if it'd be too trite to call it uh, barbarians versus civilized or whatever, but I guess we could start there. Something along those lines. So we have spoken about barbarians, but we've also spoken about a geographical divide in the country, almost like a, a cliff area where beyond that to the north, it's more like an elevated tundra area. Mm-hmm. So really, we could have two types of barbarians. We could have the nomadic uh, plains barbarians to the south, and then the more tundra steppe barbarians that live to the north, or maybe not even call them barbarians, but more, more like tribal people or something like that. I don't know how we want to distinguish that. I would assume that the nomads would be on the northern half of it, uh, moving with their reindeer herds and stuff like that. Yeah, obviously looking for forage for large herds or at least sizable herds. Um, but you would have the same issue down south where there's grasslands. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as, maybe they're a bit more settled given yeah. the uh, the greater abundance of green for their herds to eat. I would equate them with maybe like the Gauls in comparison to Rome. Like they, they, they live in settled communities and stuff like that. It's just that their way of living is not up to the standard of the Romans. You know, you had the Roman cities of stone and marble and the Gauls had cities, but it was... Less developed, maybe. Less developed, yeah. Do we have names do we want to come up with names for some of these tribes? I am not very well versed in general Slavic nomenclature. Nor am I. 
but I, I mean, that's the beauty of these worlds. Well, let's come up with some percentages at least. Mm -hmm. So if we were to roughly divide the people into civilized versus uncivilized, what kind of demographic information would we be looking at? Is it more civilized people? Um, that is more people that live in established, firmly fixed city areas without having to resort to, well, I guess that brings us to the question of what is barbarianism. <laughs> yeah. I would imagine that the Trandon Empire has a very small localized homeland from wherever the initial uniters of the empire came from that through conquest and other means subjugated and and amalgamated the surrounding barbarian tribes and so you'd have a very small area that was actually considered like really brightly properly civilized and trend in and then all the other areas are considered auxiliary but still part of the empire but still part of the empire so to an extent, a vast part of the empire is not even considered right and properly civilized, but almost like works in progress. So what percentages do you have in mind then? I would split it maybe 30-70. Okay, that, that distinct. What is it that has allowed the 30% then, assuming that is the the smaller civilized part, what mm -hmm. is it that has allowed them to retain, uh, uh, I guess, control or Te that top status? Technological and organizational superiority. Okay. And maybe not some of the infighting that comes with less structure. Yeah. You have these tribal barbarians that are, at this point, mostly like just tributary states, not properly integrated with the, with the empire, but still recognizing its authority. And they may chafe under the yoke, but because there's existing feuds between the individual tribes, uh, the farther north you go, no one is able to rise up and, and uh, declare independence. Okay, is there resentment? Do these barbarian tribes have problems with being considered part of this empire? Almost definitely. Okay, interesting. So now we have some brewing tension mm -hmm. in the country that may or may not be able to boil to the surface in a campaign setting. Yeah. Interesting. So that could influence a, a political campaign or, uh, yeah, there, there's some fun things that could happen as a result of that. How about cities? We haven't really talked much in the way of civilized areas, but... Um, Obviously, there is an imperial city. In fact, in one of the early episodes, the very first cutscene that we ever had in the podcast took place in a Trandon city. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and those, in fact, the first few early cutscenes took place in Trand, mm. where the Reaver basically takes down the Trandon emperor. Right. I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yep. I remember that. Uh, so there's at least one city. Are there. How many cities would you say that there are that are notable in their size? I would say probably no more than five. Like I was saying, a very compact area that's considered the real heartland and the real, for lack of better words, the heart of the empire. That's okay. right there. Where are these cities generally located? More towards the south, I'm assuming. Yeah, definitely more in the south. More of the temperate areas west or east on the peninsula? Um... So mostly spread out, basically 
grouped around the area that's closest to the neighboring countries. So maybe you've got one or two of the other notable cities near or even on the border of Dunmorga and Vontide, and then a couple that are on the, the coasts of the peninsula as major trading okay. cities. And Well, at least the, the first one in my imagination is in a more mountainous region. So mm. I'd say that one is probably dead center of the peninsula. Possibly like a military mm-hmm. establishment. Toward the northern part of the southern region. <laughs> it generally in the area of the cliffs that lead to that upland, to the elevated tundra land. Maybe we'll back off of naming these right now. Yeah. Simply because we need time to do that. So I'm going to go to Google Translate and just <laughs> translate a whole bunch of random words into Finnish. Or, yeah, or Russian or, or something. Russian. And then Estonian. try and change it up enough that it's not exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Religions. Hmm. Now, we have talked a bit about this in our off-camera, off-mic stuff before. A little bit. Looking at maybe more of the shamanism, mm-hmm. where barbarian tribes have more charismatic figures that have arisen among them and serve as spirit guides or something like that. Druids of a sort. Perhaps druids or wild clerics or something Mm -hmm. like that, where they don't necessarily have magic, but they're in touch with nature. Yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of that animism and that sort of thing where they claim to serve as gateways to the spirit world. And yet, at the same time, in the cities you might have more of a leaning toward the established religion that communes with gods through temples and that sort of thing. I could definitely see a kind of a dichotomy in Trand, where in the north you've got this kind of um, totemistic, shamanic religion that's practiced mostly by the the tribals up to the north, and then there's kind of a, um, a reformed orthodox religion that exists more in the South, especially among the the Heartlands. What's the percentages there? I would assume it Probably would hew pretty closely, yeah, to the 3070. Mm-hmm. Now, in the cities, you might have either barbarians who have moved to cities for work, mm-hmm. so tribal people who have moved there to uh, either benefit from trade or people, maybe it's fashionable to... Uh, to go to some of those older traditions uh, as, I guess, proper Trandons <laughs> yeah, or, or those of the civilized areas. Tr- you know, tr- Trandon um, citizens. As they look at the tribal way of life and maybe there's some longing for what they consider to be a simpler way of life. Yeah. I could also imagine uh, that as, as part of being basically tributary states to the empire a lot of the barbarian nobility ends up getting sent to heartland cities for education and integration into the culture and stuff like that i was also going to say missionaries so Mm -hmm. you have city-based dwellers who are going out to barbarian tribes with the purpose of bringing them into the fold yeah and so maybe we would have more of a 40 60 sounds reasonable Uh, and that's a Obviously, it's a fluid number as people drift back and forth between them or birth rate, death rate, that sort of thing, trending toward an increase in established religion over the tribal animism. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's helping me to get some idea. Health, 
Uh, I think in my mind, this one is directly related to age demographics as well. Mm -hmm. Amongst barbarian tribes where life is out more in the open, uh, I would expect that the average age would actually drop a little bit. Oh, yeah. Exposure to elements, and especially in those northern frigid regions, Mm -hmm. life span, life expectancy is probably quite a bit shorter. Mm Mm-hmm. And so generally, I think we would see that health would increase as you get closer to the more temperate, civilized areas where medicine, established medicine is generally more available. Um, But then as you move out from there, the health rate basically drops off pretty sharply. Yeah. And that's not to say that the uh, tribal people are less, uh, you know, maybe they their simpler diet and more activity works well. So those those who do live are super healthy (laughs) (laughs) specimens exactly and i I don't know how we could put a demographic number on that aside from again looking at age we're not statisticians yeah definitely not definitely not (laughs) however in civilized areas what would we say that the average well let's take a quick look in the u.s life expectancy is you want to guess 70 ish 78.99. Oh, wow. So really right around 79 years old, and that's up a little bit from previous years. So we could say maybe 73, 75. Seems reasonable. Taking into account that this is a more medieval world with less advanced healing abilities. But magic. But magic. (laughs) (laughs) All right, fine. Life expectancy is 93. (laughs) I like the sounds of 73 in the more civilized areas. Um, So magic being as rare as it is, uh, it's not going to be readily available. So yeah, I think 73 sounds good. Mm -hmm. And then as you go out of the city, maybe 68, a drop off of about five years. That's the exact number I was thinking of. And yet I would expect that, especially for uh, for the more tribal regions, maturity would actually be reached earlier oh yeah for sure Uh, it it needs to yeah exactly and so kids maybe as soon as they hit 13 they're Mm -hmm. considered adults or something like that where there's greater expectation on them Mm -hmm. for what they have to do interesting things that i had no conception of coming into this discussion yeah that's really neat and what i like about this is it's really forcing us to think as we talk Mm -hmm. and uh it's helping to shape our image of these people oh you're having to think i'm just referencing my notes here oh yeah Yeah. your extensive notes all right the last section in the demographics part is education and science Mm. and rather than again going into education rates literacy rates that sort of thing which we could do if we really wanted to again i would say that in my imagination tribal is Definitely more associated with uh, oral history. Yeah. Less literacy. uh, And so a lot of storytelling. Uh, Although, again, it's not just missionaries that are leaving cities to go out into the wild, but rather you might have teachers as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we have talked about in our previous episode about economy. uh, We said that tourism was a big part and people from not only outside the country, but even within the country are drawn to some of these remote locations for ethno tourism going to live among the tribes that sort of thing so mm-hmm. uh, some of the more pacified ones yeah yeah 
Yeah, there are regions that the people are generally warned away from. Further north you get, the less you are encouraged to go. And it could be that there are some very warlike people in the south uh, where you've got to really be on your toes. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, also what I brought up about barbarian nobility being sent to heartland cities to be educated and to be integrated and then basically are sent back with all that in attempts to further make the barbarian states part of the empire. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, just, just like with giving of hostages mm-hmm. in classical history and uh, medieval history, you're, <laughs> by having another people's children under your protective custody, it's insurance that they are going to behave. <laughs> yep. Because if you don't behave, say goodbye to your children. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very tacit threat. Mm-hmm. It's something that lies very low on the radar, and yet, <laughs> it's hopefully, there. it will exactly. Hopefully, it will cause you to think twice before you decide. I'm ready to cause some trouble. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And we could talk about science. Uh, maybe what what scientific contributions have Trandons made? Well, I would assume that in in the shipping industry, mm, with their okay. large flat bottom boats. Gotcha. Capable of transporting large amounts of goods. That would be their major contribution on the global scale. That would certainly be easy. Maybe work with water displacement or materials resistant to extremes in water temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you have wood swell. Maybe they've been working on some metal hull designs. Perchance. Interesting. Sounds so about right. Water displacement or material research they've certainly got the resources to be able to do that kind of stuff yeah and i again with such a mountainous mid-region to the country i would expect that there's a lot of ores and mining available that would produce things that they would have to work with and do testing with at the same time i like the thought of maybe some advanced work in chemistry maybe they're on track to develop gunpowder or something like that oh wow Alrighty. and so we could have trend be the ones to introduce gunpowder into the world. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I want to go quite that far. Not the place I would have thought of, but all right. <laughs> what would you have thought? Good question. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm not used to playing Dungeons & Dragons games set in gunpowder areas. Yeah, me either. Me either. And yet, that would be an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something for the gear and the spur to... Uh, oh, yeah. If anybody was going to come up with gunpowder, it would be them. Yeah. But tapping into an existing amount of work that uh, that's already going on and then seeing the potential. So again, we could put numbers on this. I'm not exactly sure how we would put numbers on education and science unless we were again to talk about literacy rates and average level of education, that sort of thing. So we won't go too far into that, but just the notion that there are different types of education going on in the country, that uh, that there is science work going on scientific exploration that sort of thing and some of that some of those directions we've talked about which is kind of neat to me Mm -hmm. so let's move on to culture to the last major section and culture is such a weird thing to try and pin down Um, we look at groups and we have a vague notion of what culture means Mm -hmm. in this particular article the very first item is sauna Yep. And obviously, sauna is a huge part of Finnish life. Is there something comparable in Trandon life or something that when you think of Trand, you think of? 
sweat lodges, <laughs> which is a sauna. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be that in particular. Yeah. Hmm. Could it be a certain type of sport or traditional dress or hmm. singing, dance, art? And we could, we could go as crazy as we want or as simple as we want with this. I could imagine maybe like a very, very piecemeal folklore that the Trandons are renowned for being a confederation of so many different mm-hmm. uh, people. Very often, will you know, someone will bring up the Greeks, and you just think of their mythology of mm-hmm. you know, fantastic beasts and heroes and uh, explorations of the human mind and stuff like that. But, so, what um, is it about Trandon folklore that makes it distinctive? It's wacky. It's very wacky, and it's just got so much going on in it because it's it's just so many barbarian groups together brought together by one one conquering people you know maybe at some point there was some imperial scribe who in in an effort to try and kind of syncretize yeah yeah, syncretize the empire you know had this massive undertaking where he just went around and collected you know folktales from all different groups of the empire and trying to compile them all together and maybe the name of it is synonymous with just like wackiness or um, something that just is way too complicated to understand easily. Okay. Something like that. And another aspect of it is, especially with literature that has had different influences over time, almost like layers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I keep coming back to Beowulf because that is a personal interest of mine, but at the same time, there's a lot of scholarly effort that goes into trying to scrape away the Christian influence from it to find out what the original might have been. Mm-hmm. And so maybe we find scholars in Vardalon, in Edelin, who study these works uh, to try and get at the original tales told by different groups and try and identify where this particular story might have come from originally mm-hmm. and what it would have been like in its pure, raw form. Yeah before it had all the trappings added to it and turn into a more generalized trend in oh, yeah. story. The, uh, yeah, this, this compendium of, of sorts of indeterminate name is, you know, definitely has a, a lot of the imperial religion baked in with it. All the different names and stuff are very skewed as it's it's you know it's all trying to be conformed into one language mm-hmm. which doesn't always work super well right so so it's become something of a puzzle box for literary scholars to try and piece through to find ways to get back to original texts exactly. that sort of thing interesting and that really covered two sections that was a significant part of the culture and the literature aspect of it i think that's pretty good Another section, well, I'll just read through the sections really quickly. Some of this will not be directly applicable for obvious reasons. There's visual arts, design, and architecture. We can talk about that in a little more detail. There's music, cinema, and television. Hmm. But maybe we could turn it into... Theatrics. uh, Yeah, exactly. Theater, plays, that sort of thing. Media and communications, cuisine, public holidays, and sports. So visual arts, design, and architecture. With architecture, I see it as... You see pictures of Soviet architecture, and what's the first words that come to mind with that? I've not really seen a whole bunch of Soviet architecture, but just 
off the top of my head, I'm thinking it's very imposing, very almost brutal yeah. architecture, yeah. just very trying to be very noticeable and grand. Exactly. Uh, grand and yet blocky and actually quite, quite visually unappealing. Uh, but you're absolutely right. Huge and imposing. Those mm-hmm. are big aspects. A lot of concrete, too. Yeah. And so the, the art style or the architectural style of brutalism mm-hmm. is right there. Uh, so maybe the imperial look is large, imposing stone buildings. Yeah. And yet not very far from that, you have more of the traditional wooden uh, structures. And then as you get outside of civilized areas very quickly, it's the more mobile skin, light wood that's, yeah. that would be easy to... Uh, to lash together, set up quickly, live for a while, take it down, pack it onto an animal, move to the next location, set it up. Uh, And then somewhere in between, you've got little huts and things for more agrarian society. Yeah. I've seen a video from a while ago of just a couple of Finnish guys who put together a decently sized cabin that could probably house a family. Um, Snugly, but they could house a family um, in maybe just a couple of days. Mm-hmm. You know, they get all the logs cut out and everything, and it's it's mostly just fitting them together. Right. Um, yeah. With layers of moss and stuff. I was going to say moss in between the logs, but also on the roof. Yep. Steeply pitched roofs. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, to allow snow to tumble off more easily. Decorations on the ends of the roofs, maybe. Okay, maybe like in what? The stu- uh, well, the wolf, was, yeah, the wolf, the wolf. thing. There yeah, you go. Probably, uh, and that all that serves as a distinguisher. Uh, you know, this is my house because it has this style of wolf on it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, maybe warding, guardianship. Yep. Uh, scaring off evil spirits, that sort of thing. Definitely, like remnants of barbarian culture. Excellent. Like gargoyles and stuff. What about colors? What kind of colors do they gravitate toward? I can very easily imagine. Red and blue, and yellow might make it all primary colors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just, you know, the 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 bright, easy to create colors. Mm-hmm. You know, bits of green too. Perfect. How about music? Anything distinctive about trend in music? Maybe types of instruments, like accordions. I would, I would have a whole lot more to say on the matter <laughs> if I knew much, if at all, about music. Uh, well, I could see it. Maybe a focus and emphasis on more communal music. Yep. A lot of clapping and stomping, mm-hmm. as well as musical accompaniment. So instruments to go along with it. Maybe a lot of woodwinds, easily transportable, not not yeah, take up yeah. a lot of space. Yeah. I don't imagine that like complicated and many stringed instruments are very common in trance. There might be like a couple of like simply two, three stringed fiddles or stuff like that that. Um, you know, a couple of, of people might have, but for the most part, definitely very, um, you know, lots of flutes and simple drums and, and stuff like that. And the, the instruments are not the, the main reason you're there anyway. It's, it's mostly for the songs, which is part of the barbarian oral history. Okay. Much like the Kalevala itself, which is the Finnish Beowulf, I would say. Um, or more like the Odyssey, but anyway, it was a communal event. Uh, it was divided up into runos, which were songs that would be sung uh, when people got together. 
and very often singers would take you know artistic licenses with them and and throw in little bits here and there you know little jokes or or just clever poetic twists to the song as as they're going along and it's it's just kind of a get together thing. Yeah. And maybe there are regional variations that are expected. And Most so definitely. you can tell where a teller is from just by the details he puts into his story. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat too. So many neat things we can think about. Yeah. How about entertainment, media communications, how, um, or theater? Is there a special type of performance that you would expect to come from Trand? A lot of uh, maybe traditional dance. Yes. Specific costumes. You know, like we, we think of Laplanders yep. from, from the Finnish region. The Sami. Where they have very distinctive clothing and dance. How about in the more civilized regions? How about in the cities? Is there something, you know, you look at a lot of Russian literature and it's mm-hmm. very dark and very depressing. Dark and depressing. <laughs> Gotta love those Russians, man. <laughs> Do we have a similar thing happening in Trand? Um, I don't or, think quite yet, but like, it's, it's, it's definitely very like much in the style of the architecture. It's just very grand, maybe like overly floral literature. That's just trying to be impressive so much so that oftentimes nothing is even really said. Um, but what I imagine a lot of like the real heartland imperial trend is like, they're practically done more again in Von Heider, mm. uh, in trying to be as, civilized as they can just and really just kind of almost distinguish themselves over their barbarian tributaries i think it'd be neat if there was a some sort of theatrical heritage maybe Mm -hmm. maybe they do a lot of just like the greeks used to have a chorus in their plays where you would have an on-stage group that would basically respond to things happening in the story. Maybe we have something like that. A laugh track. (laughs) Trentons are responsible for the laugh track. Why not? Oh, no. (laughs) I mean, that does kind of sound right, though, now that I think about it. No. (laughs) Yeah, so we could have some very distinctive things going, and maybe we can wait until I get to a point in the story where the party is heading to Trend for us to do something with that, to distinguish exactly what that is. But yeah, the idea that there's something going on in cities for entertainment that feels different from other parts of the world. Mm -hmm. What about food? What do Trandons eat? I would presume, again, mainly because of the way the country is, a lot of large game. Yeah. So caribou, elk that sort of thing. Some cattle. Some cattle. Uh, a lot of below earth, so a lot of root vegetables. I can imagine just a lot of like hearty food, mm-hmm. uh, much like with Von Hyde and maybe even no- Northern Dunmorga is just like colder areas just really get people in the mood for warmer, denser foods. Yeah, soul food, comfort food. Mm-hmm. So a lot of cheese. Definitely. Uh, Cheese melted into things. Um, Porridges. Yeah. Thick and cheap to make, but filling, and they they really fill in the corners, and when they go down hot, they're just, oh, (laughs) satisfying. Like we said, a lot of root vegetables, things that grow under the ground and are maybe a little less susceptible to extreme cold. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Holidays. 
holidays. Let's come up with two special days two special in the training. So why don't we go with one as being Empire Day or mm-hmm. something to that effect, where they celebrate having officially become... Maybe a day that commemorates their notable founder, you know, wh- whatever figure it was that... Istvan. Istvan? Yeah. Okay, right, right. Uh, Istvan, who was like the, the their Charlemagne. Yeah. Effectively. So, so a day that a day that commemorates him, which is a day of religious importance, um, especially. Okay, so we'll call it Imperial Day. Okay. What time of year is that? Is that more spring, summer, or fall, winter? I could see that right at the very beginning of spring. Okay, so it's like you're coming out of the cold, dark months. Of and ignorance into... and barbarism. <laughs> exactly. So it's a symbolic celebration of leaving it's... the cold and short days of the old year behind in these days it's mostly just become just a, a kind of spring festival uh type of fair but originally it was definitely a, a very big uh patriotic holiday or, or again getting to that idea of syncretism of taking existing stuff and then adding layers of yourself to it to make it palatable to both sides mm-hmm. and so this was a okay barbarian tribes we will continue to celebrate the way you have for for centuries, millennia. Your spring festivals. But we're gonna we're gonna put a little coating on that. Yeah. And so uh, now it's generally acceptable to everyone to celebrate at the same time. And maybe there's a growing trend in trend, a trend in trend. Whoa. <laughs> to get more serious about it, maybe there's mm-hmm. like this burgeoning movement that's starting to head back toward that imperial mindset. Yeah. Which could spell trouble for the lands to the south. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Mm. I do kind of feel like in these current days, these days of change, that restlessness is really starting to ramp up among the tribes as, you know, after years under imperial rule, they're starting to kind of realize, okay, none of us really like this. We should start putting aside our own individual issues so we can deal with this larger issue at hand. Hmm. But that's a discussion for yeah, a different time. another time. Away from your guys' ears. How about another day? Another celebratory day? Mm. Obviously, there would be many sprinkled throughout the year. Oh, yeah. And I can imagine a lot of a, a whole host of regional holidays mm, sure. practiced primarily by their respective groups. One more national day. Mm. What I would probably say is maybe like a, like a day that commemorates a major victory over some exterior external external enemy rindus yep yep so there was a huge battle a, mar- a marine battle and after days of fighting scores of ships sunk thousands of sailors dead lost at sea it wasn't so much a an outright victory but maybe kind of like the spanish armada here it was we got more lucky than anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know what? We are going to chalk it up to our pluck and resolve. Yeah, basically both sides were devastated in this battle, but Rindus in such a way that whatever threat they posed to Trand was effectively dispelled. Yeah. And Trand was more just permitted to exist a bit longer. Right. And so they they have taken it as a mark of national pride that we withstood superior numbers, skill, training, whatever. And so what would the name of that day be? I would probably do something related to the name of wherever the battle took place. 
Is there a name for that body of water between the bunny ears of Edelin? I've been calling it, I think, the Northern Sea. Wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> Look out, folks. Red's getting creative. Oof. That is perfectly it, because place names don't need to be super in-depth. Yeah, or I mean, fantastic. It's even, it's even better and more immersive if they aren't, because mm-hmm. that's just... You know, people use place names normally to very simply convey where exactly they're trying to discuss. North Sea could work. I suppose we could call it Victory at Sea Day, something like Independence that. Independence Day. <laughs> Victory at Sea Day. Yeah. I, that, that seems a bit lengthy. And maybe we could actually translate that into a Trandon name eventually. But that's what it, that's what it amounts to. Okay. Okay. Uh, the last section that we have, and hopefully we can cover this pretty quickly, is sports. Let's go with one particular sport that when people think of trend, this is that sport. I'm thinking something snow-related. Snow-related or maybe herding-related up in the north. Why don't we go, hmm. Hmm. How about calling it snow running? And it's ridiculous, it is. But it's a controlled avalanche, and you have however many contestants on skis, and they are basically trying to make it down before they get crushed under the weight of the... Is it like that English sport where they just toss a cheese wheel off a hill, yeah. and everyone tries to catch it first, and you are very likely to break your legs in doing so? <laughs> Why not? You know, there are some ridiculous sports out there. It, they don't do it very often, and only the really, the really crazy. Yeah, guys. and that's why it's a controlled avalanche. Maybe a lot of the danger is taken out of it, or somehow. But yeah, I can just ima- <laughs> imagine. Or or maybe they have to wear ridiculous outfits as they founded, make their way down the hill. Founded by the great barbarian John Snowrunner, who in an avalanche outran his buddy <laughs> Dave Snowrunner. <laughs> who knows? And thus the sport was created. So yeah, snow so. running in Trand is the thing to see when it's you're there. It's all the rage. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, stackers, this concludes, this wraps up our series on country creation. And again, going back to that initial idea of using a Wikipedia article on an existing country that is somewhat comparable to how you envision this country of your own creation and tying it together and then using the sections as prompts for your creation work. There are lots of directions you can go with this. You don't have to stick with a country that's comparable. You can pick something that you like from another country, however you like. But again, you're doing this to help fill in the corners to make it a little more complete in your mind. And then eventually you'll be able to convey that to your players through a well-developed area. If you have thoughts to share with us on the entire series or on this particular episode, please do share those with us on Twitter and Instagram at stackodice. Or you can contact us by email at stack.o.dice at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you in any of those ways. Thane, do you have anything else to add before we close out? Absolutely not, other than remember to brush your teeth. And with that, we thank you, Stackers, and we'll see you here again next time at Stack of Dice. Good advice. Good advice.